right, hey y'all, it's your girl Ray, and welcome back to another episode of Ray of Light TV Podcast. Here on this podcast, we are committed to shining light on a variety of discussions while adding perspectives of wisdom and understanding that enable listeners to live a more radiant life, because it's, of course, all about the light. I'm your host, Ms. Raven Lipford, dancer, podcaster, and faith-based content creator, and I welcome you all into the space in which healing and transparency is the forefront of every conversation. Now, on today's podcast, we are going to be talking about mental health in the media, which will be a deep analysis into mental health representation in our surrounding communities and how that representation or lack thereof affects us. Mental health education is such an important topic here at Ray of Light TV, and I'm very excited to be sharing this podcast with you all. Today, I have brought on a few guests who are very close to my heart who will be co-hosting with me today. I'm going to let them do a little introduction of themselves, so guests, can you please introduce yourself, state your name, give a little quick background about yourself, and what mental health representation looks like to you. So I'll go first. So, hey, y'all, I'm Raven. Y'all know who I am. Uh, A little background about me. I'm a podcaster, and what mental health representation means to me or looks like to me is a safe space just to say, like, I'm not okay. That's what it looks like to me. So, somebody else can go next. Um, My name is Dejan. I'm currently um, attending Tri-C, studying psychology. Um, I also do a lot of engineering work at Case Western Reserve and currently working on um, on finding a solution to reduce labor costs and shrinkage in grocery stores. Hey everyone, my name is Angela Clipford. I am a dancer, a minister. I'm also the author of Spiritually Minded Devotionals for Women. Uh, What mental health means to me is just being aware of who you are and where you are uh, at like your deepest center, like the core of how you're feeling um, and all of what is happening around. Hi, um, I'm Layla Michelle. I'm a third year at Case Western Reserve University, and I'm studying cognitive science and international studies, and I'm minoring in African American studies and leadership. Um, I was also a student athlete for a very, very long time. Um, I raced for Haiti's national team, and I was also the first black woman to swim for Case Western. So mental health representation does hold a special place in my heart strictly because like, mental health is extremely important while balancing school and athletics, but also Participating in a predominantly white sport, going to a predominantly white school, representation is important at the same time. So what that means to me is when a space feels very safe and everyone can bring their best selves to the space, um, you're going to get the most out of everyone. When you feel like you can bring your best self somewhere, then that's when you know that it's going to be a good conversation, a good class, wherever you are. So when you feel comfortable um, and everyone else feels comfortable and then we can all share that community together. I love that, Layla. Thank you for adding. Um, Me and Layla both go to the same school, if you guys didn't know, and being at a predominantly white school is definitely something. I went to a predominantly white high school, straight into a predominantly white college, but here on this platform, we're going to be looking at mental health from a Black perspective. Amen. So I'm going to start with a statistic. All right, so 16%, which is 4.8 million of Black and African American people reported having a mental illness. 
And 22.4% of those, which is 1 million people, reported a serious mental illness over the past year. Serious mental illness among the Black and Brown community people have been increasing since 2008 and is increasing rapidly ever since. Ever since. Despite rates being less than the overall U.S. population, major depressive episodes increased from 9% to 10.3% in Black and African American aged youth from the age of 12 years old to 17, 6.1% to 9.4% in young adults 18 to 25 years old, and 5.7% to 6.3% to the ages 26 to 49 age range. So you see that uh, depression, anxiety, and a lot of mental health disorders are increasing among black and brown people. What do you guys think about that? And anybody can go first. Honestly, I never knew those statistics and the numbers, like hearing you say the numbers is astonishing. And I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised, especially given the circumstances of the last year, um, what everyone was going through in general, but what black people were going through the past year and a half on top of that. Um, it's disappointing, but I'm not surprised. And I'm curious to what you mean by overlooked, like having a mental health illness, illness that was overlooked. Um, because that sounds awful, honestly. Like, why are we overlooking the mental health concerns of people in general, especially black and brown people? Thanks. Anyone else? All right, cool. All right, so after this, um, after giving these statistics, I mean, after giving these statistics, and of course it is alarming, I want everyone to go around and say one area uh, where they see mental health issues being, I guess, promoted or talked about in media, but is not given a safe space to like process. And, which, and, and let me give an example of what I mean. So I'll go first. So I see a lot of time, I see severe post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, and substance abuse showing up so hard in our music. And I feel like this is, a, like, and especially in hip hop, like for black culture and rap culture. And I think this is so important for um, black and brown people to talk about because I feel like this is where us as advocates, we kind of got to read in between the line. You see people talking about like, if I'm not feeling good, I'll pop a perk or like, you know, whatever, whatever. And all this stuff is like, cool. It's like, oh yeah, let's, let's, let's pop, let's pop the perks. Let's go shoot somebody up if they mess with us, but we're not really looking at the underlying, you know, understanding of like this behavior is not okay. Like you really need to go get some help. But I just kind of feel like it's like a generational thing. Like if you saw your mom and dad, you know, struggling with substance abuse or if, you know, your cousins handle stuff, handle situations instead of learning like communication skills, we're going to go like kill somebody. You know, that 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 same culture is passed on. So what I kind of want to get to the root is how can we as mental health like advocates, mental health scholars, you know, people kind of find ways to provide people with safe spaces where they can get the help that they need, you know? Does anybody else know a place where they see like mental health talked about in the media? I know a lot of uh, another place where I see it is like commercials. Like we always see commercials for like medicine, like Prozac, like, you know, whatever, SSRIs for like depressive medicine. But I don't really see that many commercials for like free therapy or like free counseling or whatever it's always like we go medicate you we go drug you up but we're not going to get you the help you need you know that's kind of what i see yeah i definitely see um mental health disorder being promoted in music 
especially nowadays when it talks about having from a toxic behavior, you know, yeah. it's heartbroken. Like, no, I'm gonna just, you know, forget women or I'm gonna start disrespecting women instead of, you know, actually, you know, trying to heal from that, from that uh, situation. You know, and um, I think, I think it's, I think it's, um, really wrong for the black community because now the man hurting, now it's women hurting, now we're together. And I believe the way um, we could be examples, a good example is just, well, a way to promote healthy behaviors by being a good example. Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all heartbroken, but let's talk about it. You know what I'm saying? And it's cool to talk about it because, you know, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna find a wife one day. I'm gonna make her feel right. I'm gonna make her feel better. I'm not gonna, you know, hurt her. So uh, I feel like, you know, just being an example of good health um, is what we can do to promote better health. I love it. Anybody else? I'll say that um, on social media, what I see promoted a lot is like this, like sort of like keeping up or a glamorized culture of. I need to always be my best self and I need to always have the joy and happiness and life is amazing. Look where I am. I don't struggle. Uh, Life is but a dream. Rainbows and unicorns type of uh, life that's not really necessarily reality. So I remember one time, um, I believe it was you, Raven, who shared with me that, you know, we don't talk about the struggle or the mistakes. Uh, We don't show the parts of ourselves where we fail or that we have to like, you know, sort of like pick up the pieces. It's just like all glamorized and sort of like putting our best foot forward, which kind of like promotes a lie, really. And then for us who are, or for those who are, you know, on social media, and who are scrolling, looking at all of these wonderful lives that people are living, it then promotes uh, mental mental illness within them, and that you know emphasizes and encourages anxiety, depression, and it causes for people to you know look at their life as if like they are lacking something, or as if they basically yeah they're lacking something, they're missing something and that, you know, someone else is living a better life. So my life is worthless, you know, the list goes on and on. I think a way to create a safe space is to continue to like post uh, phone numbers or post um, different connections that we have with counselors and people who specialize in mental health, as well as um, offering like free, free talks that can help for people to identify that this emotion that I'm feeling that makes me feel like, you know, I want to just sleep all day or this emotion that I'm feeling that makes me feel sort of like empty inside. Like I actually do need help for, for that. And, you know, also uh, those mental health practic- practitioners can also offer uh, free advice some practical tips that people can take away with them because not everyone has access to Um, counseling services or even the means to actually leave their job to or their children home people where they're taken care of to actually go and see someone to talk about their self and get help for their self yeah I love that I'm actually glad that you mentioned that so 
my first year in college, I did a research paper on how social media, you know, contributes to mental illness. And you know how people say social media is a drug, but it's actually like a real drug for y'all who like, you know, for our listeners who don't know. Um, the people who make social media, they say that when you hit a like button and when you get a like, it releases the same amount of dopamine in your brain as if you did like coke. And that's just like crazy to me how like we're so programmed to like want to be accepted and want to be rewarded on social media that nobody's showing like what's really going on in real life. And it's like kind of crazy. And I feel like a lot of teenagers, a lot of people get absorbed into that. Like I'm not doing as well as she's doing or like I'm not doing this when really everybody is in their own like lane. Everybody has their own journey. And instead of, and I, and I did a podcast on this, instead of like taking inventory into our own gifts and our natural abilities and talents and, you know, taking time to say like, you know, I'm really doing, you know, good for me. We're always worried about what someone else is doing and that is not okay. <laughs> yeah. I also think that it promotes us comparing ourselves to other people which then, you know, if you feel like someone is doing better than you, then it either helps for you to feel envious of them or to feel discouraged within your own life. Layla, anything you want to add before we move on? Um, Yeah, I wanted to answer your question, but before I do, can you repeat it one more time just so I can answer it as straightforward as possible? Yeah, um, so where do you see mental health represented in the media? And um, what do you think we can do to create more safe spaces for people who are struggling? Yeah, um, one place that I see it talked a lot about um, is sports. Like this past year, especially um, with black women, like taking their space and taking their time and saying like, I need this space, I need this time, I'm not okay, this is a lot of pressure, so I'm going to take a step back. And I feel like for a community, you know, like mental health talks are kind of on the up and coming, but yeah. then when people actually go and take their space and say, hey, I need to step back, like it's a problem. And Simone Biles didn't want to do the Olympics, like she got so much crap. When Naomi Osaka said, I'm going to step back, everyone's like, what's like, you know, well, she got a lot of hate for it. So I think that it's really contradictory for, you know, a community of athletes to talk about like mental health and taking their space. And then when someone does it, especially women and women of color, it's a problem. So I think in order to make this a safe space, like we have to allow people to be transparent like this. Yet you're asking people to prioritize their mental health and then when they do, they're punished for it. Naomi was fine for not speaking to the press because she said that it affected her mental health and that it made her extremely anxious. She was having panic attacks. But then when she didn't want to talk to them, they said she had to pay a lot of money out of pocket because um, she wasn't following the rules. So I think that like taking out these contradictory rules that actually like hinder people's mental health um, like and make things a lot worse would definitely help make a safer space and like actually supporting people when they do um when they do take their space when they have like other coping mechanisms like you know shikari lost her mother you know she smoked some weed and she was kicked out of the olympics and instead of like you know shaming actually trying to get to the root causes of these problems and figure out what is wrong instead of focusing on surface level punishments. And I think that will definitely make the space in the community that we need in order for athletes to bring their best selves to the sport and be okay while they need it. Layla, that was awesome. I'm really, I'm really glad that you said that because that kind of brings me into our article. I did want to talk a little bit about Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka. 
But I just kind of want to get back to the athlete point real quick. I think that athletes and people in the entertainment industry in general will always kind of have a hard time with saying that like I'm not okay because I feel like athletes they're not look they're they're not seen as humans in the public eye right they're our property they're our entertainment you play football you're a football player you're a tennis player you're here for my entertainment and your humanity is not your humanity has no place here and so I think that in in a space like that especially in like the Olympics or whatever it's always going to be harder for athletes to kind of get the help they need because they're not seen as humans first and foremost and that's kind of something that I always like to push and promote when I'm talking to myself, especially in po- in talking to the people on my podcast is like outside of anything else, outside of a student, outside of a worker, outside of, you know, trying to be successful or whatever. I'm a human first and I'm not a machine. And like no matter what anybody says, no matter if anybody gets it, like if I get it and I say that, like I need to take a step back, that's enough. And I feel like we have to stop looking for other people to validate our need to be okay. Like, you cannot validate me saying that I need some more rest or I need to do this. If you don't understand, that's okay. But I have to do what I have to do to, like, be healthy. And so I feel like creating more spaces for people to, you know, just be themselves without judgment or without fear of judgment is kind of what we need to do more. But I just wanted to say that, but I do want to talk about this article a little bit. So for you guys on the podcast who don't know, uh, look into the 2021 Tokyo Games. Um, Simone Biles actually came out of a few events because she said it was just too much for her. Um, I believe that she drew a line that I don't think many people in today's society, especially black women, let's emphasize black women, um, are comfortable drawing. And I kind of feel like, and I kind of want to discuss like, what does this say? Uh, what does this mean to you? And uh, how does this affect you personally? And anybody can go. Um, I can start because I literally, um, I did the same thing Simone did and I stopped swimming. Um, like, so I really like, I just empathize with her so much when she stood up and said like, this is a lot because I had been swimming for 15 years. I was supposed to go to the Olympics and swim for Haiti before the, kid, before the pandemic hit, but I disliked my experience swimming for Case and being the first black girl to swim for them and the second black person ever. The last black person to swim for Case was in 1980. Um, and I was the only black person on a team of like 70 something people. And from where I'm from, the sport is really diverse. And then swimming for Haiti, like that was swimming in the Caribbean. So everybody was black. Like the sport had been very, very mixed for me. And to go from that to like an extremely white environment, I was going to swim meets, I was getting disqualified, like for things that I didn't do. Um, they disqualified my relay from the finals, like where you can where you score points to win the meet, because they said that I false started and like it raised all this hell and it was just a mess because not only was it taking a toll on me, but clearly as I'm seeing, I'm also a liability to my team. Um, and I just it didn't, I don't know, it just wasn't fun anymore. And that's when I knew I'm like I feel like this is a chapter of my life that had a very good run, but when I'm not enjoying myself, when I'm just tired all of the time. I want to have a good college experience and enjoy that. Like, I had to make that step and say, listen, I know we've invested a lot of time, we've invested a lot of money into this sport, um, or to my family, but like, I, I'm finished, like I'm done, and I don't want to do it anymore. And it was very hard for them to hear. Like, I still have extended family calling me to this day, like, hello, what's going on? You're supposed to go to the Olympics, and why, why would you stop? And you know, 
this is what the white man wants. He just wants you to stop swimming. And I'm like, okay, but I'm not sacrificing my mental health to be a first and to be good at it. Like, I, I'm not. At the end of the day, if I'm not happy, if it disturbs my peace to the extent where, like, I'm not having a good time. I came to college to enjoy college, not spend four years being miserable. Like, that's not the goal. So I had to make that step for myself. Um, and it takes a lot. So I'm like, if this is my experience at like a D3 school, swimming for a small little country that like wasn't gonna score gold or anything, you know, at the Olympics, like I cannot imagine what the fans have been like for Simone Biles, like a top tier athlete for um, a very high ranking country, competing for a very high ranking country and then having to step back and say, actually, no, like I'm not going to win gold for you guys this year because for my peace of mind. So I really empathize with her and that's how it affected me personally because I was like, yeah, like I have to do the same thing. But at the end of the day, like like you said, Ray, it's your peace of mind over what anybody else says. So you drew a line. I just want to um, reiterate the question just in case I said it a little bit confusing. So basically what I was asking is, um, so since Simone Biles drew this line and you know Layla shared her story as an athlete drawing her line, what does this mean to you? Like how does this affect you? How does this make you feel? Have there been any, any experiences or examples in your life where you had to draw a line for your mental health? I can share one personally. A line that I draw all the time for my mental health is going to work. I'm sorry. I don't like, I don't like working a nine to five. And I feel like a lot of times saying that out loud, saying that you want to pursue, I mean, like you want to like pursue a different route. People call you like lazy, you have to work, da, da, da. It doesn't say anything about my work ethic. I don't have a problem working. I just have a problem working for people who don't care about me, who want me to work for them to make their company richer, but aren't doing anything for me, my mental health, who don't care about me, who aren't giving me any benefits. That's a problem. So where I had to draw a line was saying like, I'm not going to work here anymore. I live in a country where I can pursue any type of employment that I want, and I got to do something better. And if anybody else want to say where they had to draw a line, if y'all still drawing lines, boundaries are so important for protecting your mental health. I had to draw a line uh, this summer at a summer class, and this is my first summer class that I've ever taken. Um, And it was not like my other classes as far as like the workload was um, concerned. So this specific class I had on average weekly three hours of uh, watching a video. This was what we were supposed to you know, be doing. Three hours of watching a video, um, four pages, four to like 10 pages of reading an article and then six chapters to read and this was like weekly and then our professor would want for us to uh, record a video less than five minute video of our findings and then write one page half of the page has to be just a very quick summary and then the rest is you know about what we want to share so one day I decided that instead of Instead of me just like going into a conundrum and being overwhelmed that I would just not do the assignment. It was one assignment, just one. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna take this L and I'm gonna be okay with it. I'm gonna suck it up 
and let my professor know that I chose to not do this assignment because I was overwhelmed and you know it just it is what it is so I did of course pass the course but four points off I was just like you know I'm, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take it like a big girl and move on luckily you know I made it through so amen No leak. I feel that in me and Layla and Dejan too. He can attest. I don't know, but he he be working too. Like a lot of times, schools like ask us to do so much. Like case is no joke. Case is no joke. Any major, even in even even in my dance, we gotta write a paper every single week. Even just reflecting on other stuff, and it's like they're asking so much of us. And it's like, where do we draw the line between saying like? I'm a human, like, I'm not a robot, and I understand your assignments, but if I'm learning, if I'm getting what I'm supposed to get, like, you need to chill out. And I feel like it's just getting to that place of confidence within ourselves, where, like, we make decisions that are best for us without feelings of guilt attached, without feelings of remorse, without beating ourselves up. We're just saying, like, this is what I had to do for me, and whether I get the grade, whether I do whatever, I, I get points. I get internal points for what I did for me. So I love that, Lee. Thanks for sharing. All right, this is the last example that we can get to because the Zoom is gonna be timed. Okay, so another example that I saw in the media, um, Venus Williams has just launched an, an initiative to provide $2 million for um, free mental health therapy. Venus Williams said that she will be helping, um, partnering up with BetterHelp in the Women's Tennis, Associ the Tennis Association to provide $2 million toward free therapy. How do you think this is either going to help or hurt mental health initiatives that are going on thus far? And anybody can answer. How is it gonna help or hurt these $2 million, these 2 million free quote unquote dollars? Cause we know everything is not free. That says that is free. I think it's gonna help by giving um, individuals access to mental health and you know it might be like an initial appointment um, but they will see how the benefits are reaped from that appointment and then be able to expand on that I also I feel like it might hinder in some aspect because people who are excited about this money being given to uh, give everyone access won't necessarily be accessible to them for whatever reason, because I mean, it is a lot of money, but it can't pay for everyone. So there are some people who will be able to um, participate in her initiative, and there will be some who will be bummed out and then probably further discouraged because they won't be able to, you know, reap those benefits. I feel like it would be, I feel like it would be beneficial um, to that effort because um, just looking at it from a grand perspective, like someone that's powerful in a black community is putting money and putting effort into something that a lot of people don't um, you know, really think about. I feel like it's bringing awareness and you know, hopefully it can start uh, you know, a domino effect where other people can start putting into um, mental health. So I think, I think it'd be a good thing. I agree, um, especially with what Angelique said, like, it'll definitely help, but it can't help everyone, so um, it does 
raise questions about like what are the criteria to receive the help um and i really just hope that it reaches the people that need it the most like that's all i that's all i really hope for yeah who who's gonna say like who can get the most help you know all right that was the last article that i kind of wanted to talk about thank you guys so much for joining me for a little segment of mental health in the media um i feel like i would be remiss if i did not leave um my content my i mean my subscribers without any um resources before we leave so i just want to leave the national suicide prevention hotline which is 1-800-273-8255 that is 1-800-273-8255 i also want to um leave you with a a website to go to. It's called Sondermind.com. You can find a local therapist near you. They take a variety of insurance companies because I know that's another thing that I wanted to talk about. Some mental health providers don't take insurance and that kind of blocks people from getting the help they need. But Sondermind takes a lot of insurance. Um, They will partner with you and it's very affordable. And finally, if you are a woman, sorry to the men, but if you are a woman who is struggling with wanting to go to therapy but are unsure if you can afford it, I would encourage you to go to For Hers com uh, this website they provide you with a 10 minute free consultation and they also have a program where you can pay as you go and so it's really committed to helping people get the help that they need no matter their socioeconomic status um, so yeah thank you guys so much for being here thank you to all of my hosts for joining us and we'll see y'all next Sunday Now, if you enjoyed this discussion of mental health in the media, I would encourage you, I would ask you, I would love for you to join us again next week, same time, same place, but with a brand new guest. We will continue our discussion surrounding how mental health matters in the media are impacting and influencing us and what we can do to change this for the better. I'm so glad that you guys took the time out of your day to listen. Please join us next time. And until then, continue taking care of yourself. Take breaks as needed. Draw lines where they are needed. And continue doing things that make you happy. Love you guys. Bye.